one thing that I feel like I'm kind of sad that um, I think it's not happening anymore, but it, it was. And it was a fun thing that even when my kids were there, what was happening was the Mexican hat dance during the football pep rallies. I've heard about this. This just stopped recently. Yeah. Within the last four or Unfortunately, five years. Unfortunately, because again of the uh, people felt like it was culturally inappropriate or something. But the way it started, we always had at every pep rally, the band would always play the song, the Mexican hat dance. Yeah. It was just a fun song. Yeah. Since they always played it at one pep rally, probably bef- about halfway through the season, someone had a sombrero. And there was a guy named Scott Sparks. He got out and started dancing around the hat. And people went crazy. And it was, I don't know, it was just such a blast that we did that. And it was, you know, in no way, uh, you know, um, (laughs) cultural misappropriation. Welcome to the Eans Parents United podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Silva. Join me for meaningful conversations and timely information about Ian's school district. It's past, present, and where we hope, for the good of our children, it's heading. This week, we're joined again by our excellent guests from episode one, all of whom are Westlake High School alumni. Beth South, who you just heard from, Jeffrey Dochin, and Rex Hoover. Today, we'll talk a little bit more about Ian's history and then shift our focus to the present and how this rich history and legacy informs today's issues and debates. Please stay tuned to hear some great perspectives on how Eanes has changed as a community, why that change has occurred, and what we can do to preserve and restore the cherished spirit of Eanes. I think What brings parents together is common goals. The goals that we have, my wife and I, is we want to raise our children in the way that we want to raise our children. And like other parents, uh, we want to raise our children in a safe, happy place like Westlake. After all, that's why we're here. One thing of many that we've enjoyed learning about Westlake is that my wife and I are not the only people here that came from somewhere else. You know, my wife and I, moved from California back in 2013. And we escaped uh, for a lot of reasons that we find other people from around the country escaped to to come here as well. The taxes, the kind of oppressive nature of how the state runs itself. But most importantly for us, it was the schools. The schools in California are some of the worst in the country. We were paying all these taxes and doing everything that we were supposed to do as as, uh, good California citizens. And we were going to put our kids through really a terrible system. So we had to find something else. So we landed here in Westlake and we, you know, we were blown away in the early years of our kids attending Bridgepoint Elementary. Every morning, parents walking kids to school, crosswalk volunteers, making sure everyone's safe, parents showing off their Range Rovers and Teslas. And uh, all of us would join in the cafeteria for the morning assembly together and united with the kids, parents teachers and principals. It was always a great time to, to say hello to other parents, shake hands with friends that you had not seen since yesterday at the same place. It's not like that anymore at Bridgepoint. It's not like that anymore in the school district. The charm and the sweetness is gone, and that's really important for us to try to get back. When I grew up, my parents did not go to school. I went to school. The only time my parents came to school 
was to have a teacher's conference or when I was in trouble. But when my parents did go to school and they met with the teachers, it was a conversation. Uh, My parents could be very clear with my teachers about what they expected of me in their classroom. And, And that worked great. Those conversations, I think when we moved here to Westlake, they were there. But they're not there now. Now we're in an environment where teachers and parents have been pitted against each other. Children stretched and stressed in the middle of that tension. It's my opinion and the opinion of many parents that that is born from the leadership of the district and the mistakes that the trustees have made and the superintendent has made and other people in the administration have made. Forced heirs that have really broken down this sweetness, this connection, this togetherness that certainly was compromised by the pandemic, but it was made a lot worse by some of the things that have been going on. And parents like myself and many others want a conversation again with our teachers and our principals and our school district, and we can't have it. We don't even have a platform sometimes to have conversations with with each other because these um, small opportunities to be with one another have been stripped away partially by the pandemic, but also partially because of a different attitude. So much is done at, the di- at a distance now. Everything's done over email and social media. Um, back when I was a kid, my teacher couldn't send my parents an email that I wasn't doing my homework or I was being a bad kid. They used to pin a, a letter on my shirt and send me home. And uh, my mom would, you know, I knew when the envelope was unsealed, there was going to be a certain outcome when I got home, and there was going to be a different outcome when Mrs. Mrs. Versa licked the envelope closed so I couldn't read it on the way home. Um, you know, that's, that's not there today. There's just too much distance now. And again, another reason why we think this podcast is so important, because we want to have conversations that we're not able to have. We all do have a lot in common. And that is something we want to explore over this season of our podcast. Ian's parents don't want silence from their school or a teacher that can't be approached. Ian's parents don't want their children to learn things that won't help them make it into college or not make it into college. We don't want confrontations at school board meetings, and we don't want a place that isn't happy to live. We all want to go back in time just a few years and recapture what was special about Eanes and bring it forward again. We all want a school that functions, is financially solvent, and always striving for educational excellence. We have to have the right elected officials that are stewarding that leadership toward the vision that we have here in Westlake and for the Eanes School District. And we're going to talk about these issues openly in the Eanes Parents United podcast this season. Where we're at today, and so many things on the plate that we're dealing with, so many of them seem like they could be easily dealt with if there was more you know, clarity and transparency and it was a better understanding of why we're doing things. Uh, you brought up uh, to me, I thought was an excellent example, we have a, a coach, a very successful coach, and uh, we pay him a lot of money, and but we know what he's doing. 
and we can see the results. It's clear. He's just murdering everybody out there. And we're going to win tomorrow night, um, or Saturday night, excuse me, and win the championship again. The development of an athlete is a big, big deal. I don't know about you, but certainly for myself, I played athletics all of my years, and it formed me as a man. It formed me as an entrepreneur, as a business person. There's, I mean, it's a different type of education, and it's a, such an appropriate education to get in that setting. You know, now we're embarking on these new areas that the school feels we need education in um, around diversity and equity and inclusion and these things, and they may, we, and we may need that education. As I sit here, and I think a lot of parents on this podcast and in the community, they can't be clear that they even know what it is. And whatever it is, we don't know what the deliverables are supposed to be in the same way that we can look to our coach and see what he's delivering. There's no, um, you know, I'm sure when he took over the team, he had a vision for what the team would do and what the program would do. And he laid out that vision. And, you know, along the way, it's up and down and up and down. But, you you know, you had faith because you understood. You, you stayed with it. What, you know, what, what is your sense about this? You know, is that where we're off the tracks, you think? In terms of, of change in, in, the, in, the, in the district and, and stuff, uh, you, you always have to teach some non-academic issues. You have to touch on them. Um, I believe there's been a real sea change uh, in the last couple of years to where that's become way more prevalent. Um, and in a 50-50 society on almost every issue, I believe that's just going to create division. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I believe there, there's been some things done that, that have, have further, you know, that could have been an opportunity to, to, to be a little bit more unifying and, and it's kind of pushed everything further apart. Um, you know, as you say, it's, it's you know, uh, it, it's very easy to, to the deliverables of the football coach. How many games do you win? How many kids get scholarships? How, what's the overall participation? It, you know, it, it's, it's just very simple to measure, uh, very, very transparent, very open, uh, probably more so even than the, than the teachers. Um, you know, and, and then and then you know some of the the, the personnel that's been brought in. It, it was not a very public uh, process. Uh, there's a lot of confusion about scope of work, mm-hmm. review, you know, deliverables, and public interaction. You know, the, those things. And so, some of those issues, some of those personnel, it's been very hard for people to really understand what are they doing. Yeah, and um, you know, and if it's good for the teachers, then it should be good for the parents. It should be good for the whole district. It shouldn't be well. We're going to work with our teachers on this, but we can't really tell you what it is, and we, we certainly can't teach you parents the same thing. And I, I think that has got a lot of people confused. Yeah, I think with um, with the when you think about athletics, uh, the outcomes. You're right. You can see how many wins we have and losses, and and the stats of all the players. But in athletics, there are immeasurable measurables, and this it's it's what is done inside of a young adult to compete at that level, and to and to win, and to and to lose, and to get back up and win. You know all that striving, that striving for excellence. And I'm with you. I think that there are a lot of things that we do depend on the school or partner with the school in teaching kids that isn't necessarily in a book, right? Uh, 
and, and this partnership, maybe we can talk about this a little bit. Uh, you know, I think we do, parents do have a partnership with the school. A uh, parent is going to have has a responsibility to feed the kids, make sure they're sleeping, make sure they have a place to do homework. They come to school clean, lice-free, uh, they respect authority. And um, if they get a bad grade, you're curious about what's going on and you're, you're engaged. And then the other side of the partnership is the school is going to get them ready to go on and be academically successful if that's what they pursue to do or, you know, enter society and be able to be functioning, productive um, citizens. There's a meeting in the middle there. And sometimes I have a sense, and I don't know about you, that there's been a breach by a school that's deciding what it ought to teach kids, where those might be things that are really left for mom and dad to do. Well, they traditionally have been more left to mom and dad. Traditionally, yeah. And, and I think, you know, a, a the sea change in the last couple of years for me historically has been uh, number one, COVID, and then number two, because of COVID, the parents got to sit or had to sit and listen for a year as to what what's actually being taught to their kid. And that's never happened before. Yeah. And it happened at a very unusual time in our country's history, politically and historically. And I believe that parents were, were surprised in a lot of cases as to what was actually being taught to their kids. Um, you know, you talk about transparency. Yeah. I mean, you think about before COVID, what, what parents really knew what their kids were being taught versus COVID, where they all sat at the same table and listened to it for yeah. a year. Um, that was the ultimate in transparency. Yeah. And uh, a lot of parents disagreed with, with what, what their kids were being taught. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately what's driving a lot of this division right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a, an opportunity? Um, you're right. There was this awakening. Parents saw what was being taught and realized, whoa, what what is this? Do you think it's so far now entrenched in the syllabus of the school and the and it's institutionalized in uh, how the teachers educate our children that it can't be modified or adjusted or or do you think it's um it's do you think the it's just this is the way it is and we're going to keep going forward in general I think everything is is relatively fluid relatively cyclical um, when you talk about these kind of non-academic issues. Um, you know, that can change very quickly. Next school board election, that it, it could flip 180 degrees and you might teach another perspective. And all of a sudden, the roles might reverse within the community. And, and that shows to me that maybe we've gone a little too far off the academics yeah. because you're into, in my mind, a, a no-win situation in a 50-50 country. Yeah. That that no matter who's on top, the other side's not going to like it, and they're going to fight it tooth and nail. And so, maybe you need to bring it back a little bit yeah. uh, closer to where it's it's more traditionally been, in terms of what does the school focus on the academics and and yeah. some of these other issues, but really it's 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 the parents' responsibility uh, for those non-academic issues.
For this podcast to work and for us to achieve these common goals, we have to have a conversation. And so I want to encourage any of our listeners to write in, to call in, to go to the website, leave the comments, put comments on the bottom of the podcast. I only ask that you don't do it anonymously because one of the things that has torn down the conversation is too many people using electronic platforms to do things anonymously and not having the courage to put down what they think with their name next to it. I'm here putting down what I have to say with my name out there, and so will the guests that we invite on this program, and so we'd like to ask that from you. What's, what's an example of a tradition that's still happening today? Uh, the drill team. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Zenith, I think the dance drill team uh, still does you know the zenith show the names uh-huh. of things started with us uh-huh. um there were oh gosh there were a, there were a lot of things that um that i watched at least my kids were still doing yeah. and um one of the, i mean just um and, and it was because we were so small like i said probably 147 i think in my class yeah and um so everybody knew everybody, yeah. and you knew the teachers. The teachers knew everybody, yeah. and and uh, but we were still. I mean, we you know, I said we were the our, my class was kind of the end of the hippies, and we we still tried to rebel and and do our little stuff. But for the most part, everybody everybody got along. And again, here we go again. I'm I felt like everybody got along. Maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe we, they weren't getting along, but it seemed like, uh, considering the number of people who are still re- in, from my years who still want to know each other, and yeah. and I guess a couple years ago was the 50th anniversary of Westlake, mm-hmm. and um, we uh, they did a great thing in the parking lot with yeah. the different years, yeah. and, you know, you get to our year, and there was still a bunch of people that were there from, you know, the 70s, whatever, and... Uh, and uh, it's there was a closeness and from the classes below us too. My brother yeah. was four years behind me, yeah. And so you know, I saw all of his friends and everything. But it's so that's why I've been so interested in in the communication and the uh, what's going on in out here now because there it has been so good for mm-hmm. so long. Yeah. And every, I feel like every school, every organization has some negative things, bad things happen. Yeah. And they need to be noted. Mm-hmm. They need to be addressed. They need to be, a, there can't be any, any room for bullying mm-hmm. or negative. But at the same time, um, I would love with all of this to as much as we're focusing on any problems and differences we have, I would love to at the same time focus on what we have in common yeah, and the things right. that we do love and the way that's that's kind of where I come from, yeah. my passion and all yeah. this. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, that's why we have you here because um, you and your classmates and the ones that came after you for many years certainly engendered that – um, spirit of this community. And and just in the time that we've been here, I've only been here eight years, uh, you know, we're involved in this project because I've seen it change myself. You know, it was uh, our, our children were in elementary and 
Every day started with a, an assembly with Mr. Wirt uh, in the um, you know cafeteria, and all the kids and all the parents that brought their kids were there, and it was a pledge of allegiance. And which, coming from where I come from in California, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. I did that as a kid, but it, it's pretty much extinct now over yeah. there. And then they did a pledge to the Texas flag, which I thought, oh. there's oh. a pledge to the Texas flag. Yeah. I had I'd have no idea. Of course there is. I had no idea. <laughs> there's no pledge to the California bear. I can tell you that. <sighs> and we just were blown away at how sweet and wonderful it was, and and just in a very short time, that's all gone. Mm-hmm. And and I don't feel that there's even um, set aside the impact of the pandemic. It ended before the pandemic came along. But I don't feel like there's even an energy uh, for people to want to go back to that. It seems like people are more interested in separating from what was than wanting to be a- acquainted with it and carry these kind of traditions on. And uh, I'm with you that getting getting in a place where we can understand, for example, this really funny sombrero hat dance, it didn't come from this place. It came from another place. It's, Absolutely. It was sweet and it was fun. But, you know, we're always today finding ways to retroactively apply our moral standards to things from the past. And then we, you know, and then here we are. We're sitting in a studio together trying to talk about, we're not trying to reminisce about how things were. We wish they were that way. But there was another a story that you shared with me when we talked I thought was uh, really neat about when the Eans was getting going. And we had we did have a large population of cedar choppers and their kids who were very very poor, right? These are kind of Texas pioneers, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a story about showers and uh, kids showering at the school and stuff. Can you tell me about well, that? What happened? I don't know as much about that. That was uh, that that was a valuable thing to have a have plumbing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for the early kids. Yeah. Because I believe, and I I believe it's true that Eanes, the Eanes School, is the longest continually running school in the state of Texas. Wow, I've heard that many times. And yeah. in, in the history center, the history Eanes History Center is valuable mm-hmm. to get a lot of this stuff. But yeah, they could uh, the kids could come and get showers, and uh, you know they actually you know we, there was obviously a cafeteria. You get mm-hmm. you know you sure. get a, a good a hot, hot meal, meal. Yeah. every day, mm-hmm. and um, but and I want to, I I want to keep kind of just going back to the idea of the cedar choppers. That um, honestly, it was not. Of course, their in, their family incomes were less than many people. Yeah. But they weren't. It wasn't. I don't know how to say like lesser than or yeah. hillbilly. I mean, yeah. It was just that they were. That's what their family fact, did. That's what their family did, and a lot of the kids were. I mean, they were. They were everybody was friends with everybody, yeah. and it, there wasn't this the the stigma of income and mm. was not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking my first car. Mm-hmm. I, I I just cringe when I think of what the kids would think today. The first car I bought from a friend for three hundred dollars. It was an Oldsmobile Dynamic eighty eight. It was this enormous old car, and the trunk had to be tied down because it would bang open. Uh-huh. And that's what I drove to school, and I was proud. I worked for a month for my father to make the money. And if I drove, if one of my kids drove in one of those, I mean, now yeah, today. today, oh my gosh, you yeah. know. So there's the 
the whole money status thing has has been part of the yeah. part of the culture change. Mm-hmm. But I I still believe it doesn't, you know, money makes a difference mm-hmm. to, of course, to things you can have and everything. But I feel, still feel that there is a huge undercurrent of good people who want the same things that move to the school district for the value of it, of the school sure. district and the community and our community. Talk about the businesses mm-hmm. and the parental support. It's, it's a rarefied existence to me. It's just a lovely, it's a lovely base. And I think that I just feel like I want to keep focusing on that and try to bring more of that out and get lots more people in the, in the discussion. Well, what was it like to go to Westlake High School back then? You know what was the what was the spirit like? What was the? So we were very tight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were only about sixty kids in our uh, class, and um, like I said, we'd all been we'd all known each other since elementary school, and we were very tight. Um, when we were sent off to Henry and Austin High, you know our, you know our group was kind of fractured. Um, but when we went back to Westlake, we were all together again. That first and second year that I was uh, at Westlake, it was uh, 7th through 12th grades. You know, we were all together. The first year, we were in um, temporary structures that were on the Ean School campus. Well, what that means is that first year, all the grades, 1st through 12th, were all on the same campus together, mm. which was interesting. Yeah. Um, the next year, the new high school had been completed, and um, everything that we did, you know, was the basis for new traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Beth, I think, mentioned how um, uh, Sparks, um, Scotty Sparks, yeah, with the uh, with the hat dance, and and started the Mexican hat dance for the. Uh, pep rally, and it was just a spontaneous thing. I, maybe a couple of people planned it out, but he threw that hat down and started dancing around it, and boom, it's been a tradition ever since. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you one other tradition that uh, that I started. Okay. Because I saw what was going on. <laughs> so I went to the music store, and I purchased uh, 60 kazoos uh-huh. and passed one out to every single member in my class. And so during the pep rally... We all, you know, started playing the kazoo for, you know, the uh, some of the songs and whatnot. I might make note that that's a tradition that did not catch on. <laughs> <laughs> so, along with the uh, disappointment of the skinny chicken and the kazoo, <laughs> how do you still live in the community? I it's, mean, I mean <laughs> every morning I wake up at three. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. <laughs> If I learned anything about Ian's ISD, it's it's what I've known about this country, and we all know as parents about this country, that there is an American story in every American town. There's an American family and in every American institution like EISD. The spirit of charity in Robert Eanes to build that first schoolhouse in 1872 says it all. 
the independent spirit of Sophia Teague to walk to Austin from Galveston in 1859, leading to the land donation in 1896. The spirit of community to build the new school stone by stone in 1928. And the independence of the town to break away from Austin ISD in 1957 to do something special, something worth honoring. And then the community confidence to expand EISD further with Westlake High School in 1969, adding that final stone to service those of generations of children yet to even be born. This podcast is for parents with deep roots in the legacy of Texas, Austin, and Westlake. And this podcast is for the parents that came here, like me, from all over the U.S. to plant their family tree next to the cedars that carpet all of Westlake today. This is who we are. This is where we came from. And this is why, as parents, we must be united to carry the torch and pay our respects to those that created this institution for us and our children. Thanks for joining us on the Eans Parents United podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Eans Kids First, ensuring that Eans prioritizes our children's well-being, honors parental rights, and unites our incredible community. To learn more about our mission or to donate to our cause, please visit us at eanskids.com. That's E-A-N-E-S kids.com.